0: One of my most vivid memories of being burned out was when I was an academic chair for one of the largest high schools in the country. I remember getting to campus at 6 a.m., making lesson plans for teachers who didn't show up, breaking up fights during the middle of teaching classes, staying after school to arrange parent-teacher meetings, and then getting back home at six o'clock and doing it all over again. The last thing on my mind, sometimes, was spending time with friends. I had no margin to keep up with them, to initiate conversations, to remember the details that they, they shared with me the last time we spoke. I felt numb and I had a complete loss of motivation. I truly was burned out. And now I believe a lot of us are experiencing collective burnout between financial stress and the pandemic and just all these things that make us feel like we have nothing left to give. And often the first things to go are our friendships. But it shouldn't be this way. And our relationships are suffering for it. One person I've been following for a very long time who has such tremendous insight on this matter is Emily Ballesteros, who's a burnout management coach. And I'm such a fan of hers. I mean, genuinely, I'm not just saying that to hype her up. (laughs) And when I found out that she has this book called The Cure for Burnout, How to Find Balance and Reclaim Your Life, I knew I had to have her here on the show to talk about friendships at the intersection of burnout, because for some of us, it's not about being lazy, it's not about not being invested, it's simply about not having it to give. So if this is your current situation, then today's episode of The Friend Forward Podcast is for you. One, two, three, four. Welcome to The Friend Forward Podcast, powered by BetterFemaleFriendships.com. I'm Danielle Byer-Jackson, a friendship coach, educator, and author of the upcoming book, Fighting for Our Friendships. And it's my job to share the science of women's conflict and connection. So when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding these kinds of relationships, I am here to help you through it. So let me tell you why I'm very excited to have you here as a guest on the Friendboard podcast. I think a lot of times when people imagine a person who's working with a friendship coach. They think of somebody who's socially awkward and they're a wallflower. And I often joke that, yes, that person's certainly on my roster. But I think they'd be surprised to know that about 75% of the people I work with are high achieving, charismatic women. They own businesses, they're running the household and holding it down, and they have a lot going on. And many of them suffer from burnout and it harms their relationships. And so I thought of you instantly when the subject came up because I've been following you on TikTok for so long. So I want to start
1: by thanking you for being a guest on the show. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk about these two topics together. They're not talked about enough. So what better place to do that? Agreed. Yes. Okay. So before we get started, why don't you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? So I got into Burnout management because naturally I burned myself out pretty early in my career. I was working full time in corporate training and development. I was a graduate student full time, taking in person night classes. I was a coach for professionals part time and I was commuting two to three hours a day on. Chicago Public Transit. So I was at 0% battery for years. And as soon as I started hoping to get in a minor accident and looking forward to getting sick and getting migraines, I was like, this is something's terribly wrong. And how are all these other professionals still functioning after doing this for so much longer than I had with like children and more responsibility than I had? And so I looked around for solutions for some kind of burnout management. I knew I needed it, but I couldn't find anything that was packaged in a way that I actually wanted to consume and that was relevant to the working world. And this was pre-COVID. So I'm sure those resources are even more out of touch now. And then there's a long business road that I won't take us down, but in creation of a methodology to get people closer to managing their burnout. And that ended up working for me, working for Many, many clients and that's the work that I get to do now. So I got into it because it was a personal pain point. Yeah, I hear you. Let me ask you this. It's funny, but it's
0: it's not funny when you're like at some point you realize you were hoping for a migraine or a traffic accident so that you could just take a break. And I hear that a lot from from moms, from people who feel like they can't get off the hamster wheel. Like if there was some kind of external force that forced them to slow down, mm-hmm. they'd take it in whatever form they they came in. Let me ask you this. Why do you think you kept going, kept pushing, even though it wasn't working for you? Your health-wise, mental health-wise, what was driving you to keep going even though you were exhausted?
1: Yeah. A lot of identifying as a high achiever since like, you know, perfect attendance awards since Kindergarten would never miss a day of school, even if it was like a parent was giving me permission to like skip school to go to a theme park or something. I'd be like, no, are you crazy? Like, I'm not going to miss out on, you know, my perfect attendance award. So I've always been kind of brown nosy, rigid. Ew, nobody's going to want to be my friend after I six. I've always really held myself to these standards. And so I was in a workplace where it was kind of like the world is my playground. I could achieve as much as I wanted to. You have all of this freedom to burn yourself out there's no ceiling for how much you can work. And you have to hit your limit, I feel like, to learn where that limit is. And I hit it really hard and then had to find my baseline that was actually sustainable at a certain point. And I think most high achievers have to have that experience of pushing it a little bit too far to the point where they kind of scare themselves and then have to rein themselves in. And what I always tell people, because people will ask, you know, when Will I take my burnout seriously? Because it's obviously hurting me, but I'm still not making the changes I say I want to make. And it's always once it's costing you more than it's giving you. And for a lot of people, like, yeah, it's costing them their social life. It's costing them their health. But the reward is that they're getting all this praise at work. And that's their only identity is really tied up in work. It's not costing them more than it's giving them at that point.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so as we jump in here to kind of talk about burnout, and how it impacts a lot of our friendships. And a lot of us, when we think about our friendship landscape and we take an audit of these relationships, are we happy, are we not? Do we feel like a lot of friends have kind of like dropped off by the wayside because we have not tended to them? I think we all kind of have our own image of, of burnout that we conjure up when we hear the word. But how do you describe it? And what are some symptoms, some ways it presents itself?
1: Yeah. So burnout is, simply put, it's prolonged exhaustion. It's being overextended for an extended period of time and just knowing that you're really low on resources. And I am going to actually just read you the list of signs and symptoms so I don't (laughs) see any of them. So some signs and symptoms you can look out for are emotional exhaustion, cynicism, detachment, feeling ineffective, feeling drained before you've even begun your day, pessimism, loss of motivation, especially if you're typically very motivated, physical exhaustion, insomnia, forgetfulness, impaired concentration, isolation or escapism into a hobby or something like that, increased irritability, lowered immunity, procrastinating, increased food, drug, or alcohol use, change in diet and physical pain such as headaches. So you might have a chronic pain that becomes more apparent when you're under stress. Those are some of the signs and symptoms. There are more, but those are some of the common ones. Yeah, and I appreciate
0: that you said you know, earlier, something that you found kept you driving down this path was because so much of how you see yourself rests in your achievements, rests in your self-sufficiency, rests in that praise and validation of people being like, oh, dang, girl, you crushed it again. You got another certification. Wow, you did all that project by yourself. That's amazing. You know, that's who you are. And so you just keep going because that's just what you do. But then getting to a point, I love the way you said, where you start to see, wait a second, this is costing me So much more than it's giving me. So let's talk about that. I'm sure one of those costs that a lot of us recognize is friendships. We either don't see our people or we're irritable when we do see our people. We realize we're lonely and we don't even have anybody to vent to about the burnout. What are some ways that you have seen having this persistent burnout impacts us relationally?
1: Oh yeah. There's two primary ways that I see burnout and relationships kind of intertwining. And the first is that. There's so much evidence that having strong relationships and having community can combat burnout and that we benefit from it. But that doesn't necessarily take into account the way that relationships look a lot of times nowadays. So it's not, oh, my friend that lives across the street and after work, we're going to go on a walk around the neighborhood, you know, grab a bite of sushi and just actually connect. A lot of times it's, I have to, after a whole day of Zoom calls, hop on another FaceTime call or like I have to answer a call from somebody where it's 50-50, whether they're going to be venting to me about their day or we're just going to actually connect and I'll get something out of it too. Or it's, you know, my friend sent me 50 TikToks to watch. So it's it's almost like friendship homework instead of actual connection. It's like, I want to do these things because I want to connect with you. But also at the end of a long day, I, I don't have the capacity to connect in these ways that are offered to me. Or it's like a 40 minute drive across town to see this friend. It's not like this easy community anymore. And then The other way that I see them interacting is that because relationships by nature are an exchange, when you're so burned out and you're so low on resources, you don't have as many resources to exchange. So when somebody asks for them, even if it's somebody that you love and they're asking you to do something that you love, you don't have that resource to give. So it can cause resentment, not because you don't love them or don't want to do what they are asking, but because you really want to use the scraps of what you have to like take a nap, not to go to brunch. So yeah, we know it's good for us, even though we don't really live in a way nowadays that allows us to engage in community the way that we typically did. And it causes us resentment. Oh
0: my gosh. Okay. That's so good because I think a lot of us have not thought about it that technically before. All we know is. I'm tired. I don't have time for friends, which is the umbrella language we kind of use for everything you just said. And to your point, I think what we're really saying is I don't have it in me to drive the 40 minutes to meet up. I don't have it in me to, I love that you said this homework that my friend's given me. And I'm really clinging to what you said about, you know, if I call a friend, is it going to turn into her stuff when I need somebody for my stuff? And I just, I really can't. Can you tell us more about that? How resentment forms for the people in our lives as a result of our burnout? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. Oh, it can look like so many things. It can look like, you know, a partner making bids for attention when you are at zero and you don't want them to feel unloved, but also you straight up do not have anything left to give. And it almost feels like it would be easier to just live alone because then nothing could be asked of you because everything else is demanding so much that that at least then you would have no more asks. They might come in the form of Children and then people have so much mom guilt because it's like oh I resent these kids that are really really wanted but Jesus they need everything all the time and maybe it is those friendships where you know they have higher levels of need than you do or they're going through a hard season but you're also going through a hard season and a lot of times in those cases you're the support but you don't ask for support in return sometimes it's you know I I should be showing up in all of these ways for my friends because I'd want someone to do that for me if I was in need if I needed help moving or something knowing that you're never the one asking for something. You would never actually ask for those things. So, you know, doing it because I should do it, because what if I need this help one day? You motivate yourself with this guilt. It can look like so many other things, but any number of those ends up being the story that we tell to keep us feeling guilty and also building resentment along the way.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: All right, ladies, it's finally
0: happening. You've been asking me for the past six years to have an event to bring you all together. And if you've ever said, I'm looking for like-minded women, women who are equally intentional and intelligent and good conversationalists, and they prioritize friendship, well, that person is likely you who's listening, and I want to put all of you in a room together. So on March 1st through the 3rd, we're having an entire weekend for a retreat slash summit that's dedicated to all things female friendship. On Friday night, we are having an elevated speed friending experience where I'll briefly speak about the science of first impressions and connection, and then we'll put it to action in a room where we're meeting several women in conversation that I guide for you to remove all the awkward small talk. And if it's been a while since you've met a lot of good candidates for genuine friendship, you definitely want to be there. Now, Saturday is filled with workshops, panels, and breakout sessions, all with the purpose of equipping you with everything you need intellectually to better inform the decisions that you want to make about creating healthier friendships. So we're talking all things mental health and networking and learning from really qualified women who can teach us all about the art and science of women's relationships. And Sunday, we'll end by addressing the Mind-Body Connection. Engaging in a unique yoga session that's specifically designed to help us focus on releasing any tension we might be holding in our bodies due to unresolved friendship anxiety. I would love to meet you. If you've been looking for a space to have more in-depth conversation around female friendship, to share your personal story, and all while meeting real friends in real time, then this is for you. You can learn more at womensconnectionsummit.com, and I encourage you to join now while early bird pricing is still available see you soon so let me ask you this i understand that there are like cultural and environmental factors that sometimes make a woman test with all the things feel overwhelmed by the idea of friendship so so many influences that are beyond her but would you say that finding ways to slow down or resist burnout would at least help to kind of alleviate some of the stressors that we feel what are your thoughts
1: I think in some ways, that's a good question. It's making me think of so many things that I, I know I've seen on this.
0: Well, it's hard because it's like, well, how much of this do I own? Like, do I need to stop? And how much of this is bigger than me? Like a system that just expects me to answer my email at 630 at night. You
1: know, so it's, it's I guess it's kind of tricky. Definitely. I think it comes down to what that community can actually help you with because Sometimes it's, you know, emotional support and it it would help alleviate the burnout just to have somebody in your corner, somebody that you can connect with after a day and kind of get you out of your head and remind you that we're just all people living our lives, doing our best and we happen to have these jobs. But in other ways, it's kind of the it takes a village conversation where we could have a burden lifted by having community that, you know. Hey, you're running to the store. Would you mind grabbing me these things too? Or, oh, I ran out of something. Would you mind if I pop by and grab this? Or, oh, I emergency have to go grab something. Can you please watch my kids for a second? And I think that as we've gotten more individualistic, we, you know, we all live in our independent houses. We don't live really in close proximity to community a lot of the time. We're so individualistic and boundaries are such a big conversation nowadays. We don't want to impose on anyone, but a lot of community kind of is imposing, but everybody imposing mutually to the point where you build on each other and you have people that you can rely on. But we are very individualistic. A lot of people the imposing is uneven so some people have no problem imposing and other people are so self-sufficient that it's like why are you imposing on me you can see how busy i am and so it's almost like saying like i don't want to be a part of that community when it's also like i just don't have the resources to contribute to that community right now so it feels like i can't be a part of it because of that but nobody it's not like all these different members of the community come in with the same count of resources but it's like trying to recreate that Without having the language. And when everybody's in such a different place and COVID's just done such a number on everybody. I was thinking about this recently because there's this fantasy, especially in the US, of like owning a house with a lot of land because perceivably you live your entire life in that house. Like you are always doing things in the house. And in other countries, people have such smaller living spaces because. Theoretically, that house is just for them to go to at the end of a day and to sleep and to eat. And like sometimes it houses them, but most of the time they're out of the house because life is meant to be lived outside of the house with all the other people. And we don't do that. And we do want all this big house with all this land because we're planning to like hunker down and continue to be super independent. And it's just like you said, like tied into this big system that we kind of have to fight against in order to maintain community. And where burnout is just a rampant player in this battle back and forth.
0: Oh my God, that's so interesting because I don't think we
1: too often think about community
0: and burnout and like the relationship between those two things. You know, as you're talking about the size of our homes and culturally- you know, certain tendencies to want the big house so you can do everything alone in the house by yourself. I recently heard something, and I'll drop it in the show notes for those who are curious about the the research and things like that. But I recently heard on, I think it was the Ezra Klein podcast, they said something about how there's research that shows like the more education you have, the further away from your home and your parents you tend to move. And so, you know, so maybe you graduate college or whatever it is, you're in grad school, you're probably living super far from your parents because you want your own land and your own space. And you want to move closer to whatever it is. And maybe a part of you feels like a part of showing that you've made progress and success is to move to a certain city and live a certain lifestyle. But you are further and further and further removed from, you know, your hub, your central source and roots of support. So it's just such an interesting conversation around like how much of your burnout is because you don't have support community and because again to your point you place so much value in what you can do by yourself you don't need help but is that really a flex is it really something to brag about yeah yeah that is so interesting so you know let's say that we do start to identify like okay yep that's on me i see some behaviors and tendencies i've adopted that are really contributing to my burnout and and i understand all that how do i stop like how do i make it stop if that car accident I'm praying for just never materializes. What are some of your recommendations to the person who is ready to slow down and get more balance, but they just don't know how to start?
1: Yeah. So there are three types of burnout. There's burnout by volume, which is that back to back to back lifestyle, which is kind of what you think of when you think of burnout. There's social burnout, which is people who struggle to regulate their social resources. And so they're a lot of people pleasers, and they're frequently drained by the relationships and the asks in those relationships, personally, professionally in their lives. And then there's burnout by boredom. And that is feeling disengaged from your life for an extended period of time. You're just kind of going through the motions. And so each of those burnouts is going to be addressed slightly differently. But because we're talking about relationships, I'll talk about social burnout. And usually, there's two people. There are people who are socially burned out, and so they isolate. And there are people who are socially burned out and feel so guilty that they double down. And so if you're isolating and you know that you would benefit from community, then a lot of times that's asking yourself, in my ideal life, what is my level of communication and with who and in what capacity? Is that a FaceTime once a month, virtual drinks if you're far away from your friends, like to do that and then not feeling bad if for the rest of the time you don't get back to other kind of bids for attention, or if you're extremely burned out because you never say no to anything, asking that same question. Ideally, how much would I be giving and in what relationships? And then how can you parse that down? And that usually takes a lot of boundary setting. So It's that self-awareness and evaluation of where you're at and what you need, ideally, and then being willing to experiment with it for like a month or two. Try it that way. If you hate it, you don't have to keep doing it. But it doesn't have to be this permanent thing. A lot of times people hesitate to commit to something if it is permanent. So just trying different things to see how they stick is usually one of the first steps. That's so good. And it's also so helpful to hear you kind of outline
0: the different types so we can better have Language or like more refined direction on where we need to change things. That's so interesting.
1: What would your
0: advice be to people who noticed their friends are burnt out? Whether it shows as always being busy, whether it shows up as always saying like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I have so much to do. There's so much to do. We noticed that in her. What are some thoughts on things that we can do to be supportive? Give her perspective. How do we, how do we offer support?
1: I have two thoughts, and one of them is going to sound kind of cutthroat. So the first is what I tell most people when they say, like, my partner's really burned out or somebody like they're just trying to be considerate. And they they notice that somebody that they love is struggling with this. And it's you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And the change and the desire to change really has to come from the individual because On an easy day, yeah, maybe you can suggest something to them. They would try it. But on hard days, you can't really force somebody to live life the way that you want to instead of the way they want to. It just doesn't work that way. So it really has to come down to the person and feel like they're ready to make the change. And again, the cost is outweighing the benefits. And then the other side of that is sometimes you know that this about them because they... Vent to you and you like you're constantly hearing about this and that can be draining for you as well. And so then it's finding a way to, if that's draining you lovingly, let them know you could even do it with levity, lightheartedly and letting them know, like we've been talking about the problem. We need to start talking about solutions. We can't keep, you know, going down this road. I've seen what it's done to you and we, we have to switch to the solution oriented part of this conversation because it's draining for you and them to keep hearing these complaints with no change in action. And so if you're in that bucket, you know, it's a hard conversation to have. And they might be like, what the heck? What do you mean? Like, nobody likes to hear that. But if you've had the same conversation, you know, 50 times, it's the same thing with that friend who's dating that guy that always ends up hurting them. And you just have to hear about it again and again and again. And it's like, okay, make a different decision because this clearly isn't working. So it's the same same thing with them.
0: So funny. And yes, we are all familiar with that situation. Yes. Okay. So what, you know, as we close this conversation on burnout and how it impacts people we care about, what are your final thoughts, words of encouragement, misconceptions you want to correct? What are your final thoughts on the subject of burnout at the intersection of friendships?
1: I would say that like most things, it's going to come down to self-awareness and knowing If you're the kind of person who's kind of introverted, kind of a homebody, really burned out and honestly needs to put more effort into connecting with people and having community because you know it's important and you just don't want to prioritize it, but you know that it does add value to your life, be honest with yourself if you know you need to push yourself a little bit more to connect with people. And also be honest with yourself. If you're really socially burned out, you're experiencing a lot of that social burnout and you need to create more boundaries. If you're spending a lot of your social resources on people who, you know, if given the chance, you probably wouldn't really be friends with them or close Mm -hmm. to them or talking to them quite as much. Be willing to tone back on those or pull back in those relationships and ask yourself, you know, what in your ideal world, what would these relationships look like? How much would you be giving? And pull back. So. Tune into yourself. Be honest about what you need.
0: That is so real. This is so good. And I know there's so much more to be said. And I'm really looking forward to your book, which comes out soon. Thank you for your insights, for sharing your knowledge, lending your voice to this conversation. And thank you for being a guest on the Friend Forward podcast. All right, ladies, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen carefully. Now, normally I offer fresh homework based off of the conversation I had with the guest. But today, I'm simply going to reiterate something that Emily said during our interview because it was perfect. She encouraged you to think about the ideal things you want to do and the ideal people you want to do them with. If you can find a way to just commit to that and not be distracted by the rest, then muster the courage to be unbothered or unfazed or to not feel guilty about all the rest as long as you prioritize the things and the people who are important. Making the decision early on of what you want to do and those ideals is going to be one step toward managing your burnout while making time for friends. If this especially resonated with you today, you know I want to hear it. Come and leave me a voice note. I love a good voice note over on Instagram at friendforward. You can also visit us 24-7 at betterfemalefriendships.com. Until then, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.